Welcome to the True Crime Cafe. I'm Becky. And I'm Angie. And you won't believe the case I have for you today. I have the case of the Austin Yogurt Shop murders. Okay. Jennifer Harbison and Eliza Thomas, both 17, were closing I Can't Believe It's Yogurt, just as they had done before. Also present were Jennifer's sister, Sarah, who was 15, and Mm -hmm. Amy Ayers, who was 13. Okay. The younger girls had been at a nearby mall and were getting a ride home from Jennifer. So they went to the shop to wait for her. Okay. All four girls were seen alive by witnesses just before 11 p.m. Shortly thereafter, a police officer saw smoke coming from the shop and called it in. Once the fire was extinguished, the bodies were discovered. Okay. All four had been bound with their own clothing and shot in the back of the head. Three of the girls were stacked on top of each other while Amy was found by herself a little bit away from the others. Okay. Because some evidence was destroyed by the fire and the water used to put it out, the police had to rely on tips from the public. From the start, they believed someone entered the shop in order to rob it. Things went sideways and the girls were killed and the fire was started to cover it. Early in the investigation, Maurice Pierce, Forrest Wellborn, Robert Springsteen Jr., and Michael Scott were questioned by the police because they had been at the same mall as Sarah and Amy. Okay. To me, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. I mean, when you're a teenager, early teens, like when I was in my early teens, every like Friday night was spent at the mall. Right. Especially when I started driving. I mean, you're going to see people. Yeah. Um, and what they, year did this take place? December okay. 6th, 1999. Yeah, so that was my first year. Okay, so that was my first year of college. And I was still at the mall every weekend. Mm-hmm. Now, there were also reports that Maurice had a gun, the same caliber as the one used in the murders. Mm-hmm. However, the police were unable to connect the boys to the crime. Nearly eight years would go by before police would announce an arrest. Wow. Also, doesn't everybody in Texas have a gun? Isn't that kind of like required living for Texas? But see, here's my thing. I can understand questioning somebody, you know, but how many people, even the county, had the same mm-hmm. caliber right. gun that was used in the murders? Like, to me, that's mm-hmm. just not solid enough. Now, if somebody yeah. had said they were at the same mall earlier, he had a gun and he was seen entering the yogurt shop. Yeah. You know, but the being at the same mall and owning a gun the same caliber just yeah. to me just does not feel like it's enough to mm-hmm. question. And they had they had video surveillance back in ninety one, like you know, so if they like caught them on surveillance around the back yeah. of them, and or but I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah, what no, no, no. Right, I know yeah, what you're saying. What they have right now is super circumstantial. Them announcing an arrest after eight years was where kind of, this case started getting really, really hinky for me. Okay. Okay. So on October 6, 1999, so just shy of eight years to the day. So what, too much mm-hmm. shy of eight years to the day? The police announced the arrests of Robert Springsteen Jr. and Michael Scott, two of the boys interviewed shortly after the murders. 
Okay. Maurice Pierce and Forrest Wellborn were also arrested, but a grand jury refused to indict them. Why is that? My guess is not enough evidence. That would make sense. On the other hand, Robert and Michael were both indicted on capital murder charges. After being interrogated, both boys confessed, implicating the other. Okay. The confessions came after many hours of interrogation. And when I say many hours, we're talking 20 hours over two days in the case of Michael Scott. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. The confessions were used at the trials and helped convict both men. Robert received the death penalty and Michael received 99 years. Oh, wow. This should have been the end of the case, right? You would think. You've got somebody convicted for the murders. Um, You know, the trial's been had. The grand jury said there wasn't enough to indict the other two, mm-hmm. which to me was kind of weird because if you remember... It was Maurice who was reported to have been seen with a gun the same caliber. But yeah, Yeah. the green jury didn't indict him. Yeah. So unfortunately, this was not the end of the case. Okay. Both boys later recanted their confession saying they were coerced. It happens. Yeah, 20 hours. I'm just saying, like, it happens. Especially, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say especially with, like, teenagers and younger adults but it does over the years we have seen convicted persons who have had their pills granted because of coerced uh, confessions exactly and as we've both seen on shows like dateline and 48 hours 2020 all the good stuff you've seen police are allowed to lie so they are they're allowed to lie if they said oh well your buddy already told us so you may as well just let us know Mm -hmm. they're allowed to lie however they are not allowed to do what happened in this case oh wow so one detective involved in the interrogations was transferred out of the department after allegedly coercing confessions in an unrelated case A photo of an officer pointing a gun at Michael Scott's head during his interrogation was... So you know how they record, they have cameras in the interrogation rooms and stuff. There was a still picture taken from that that showed this detective pointing a gun at this teenager's head during this interrogation. When I was a teenager, I had such a fear of guns. And just for whatever reason, that if someone had pointed a gun to my head, I would have said whatever they wanted. Here's the thing. Even if you're not scared of guns, like I grew up around guns. My dad was in the Mm -hmm. Marine Corps. There was guns in our houses. Like we were taught, you know, safe gun practices and all of that. But as a teenager, had I been in an interrogation room, even though I wasn't scared of guns, somebody pointing a gun at my head. Well, especially police. Oh, you're damn right. I'm you, you damn right. I'm going, I'm going to be like whatever y'all want me to say i'm gonna say especially when it's an authority figure like that yeah so in this case this went far beyond the police officer lying and saying hey your buddy is in the next room and he told us everything 
Yeah. Putting all the blame on you. So both convictions were not surprisingly overturned by the Mm -hmm. Court of Appeals. The court ruled that the confessions were improperly used at trial. And because the confessions implicated the other's role in the crime and neither boy testified, the defendants were denied their Sixth Amendment right to cross-examine witnesses. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. So in 2009, both defendants were ordered to be released pending new trials. So you got to think, they were arrested in 1999. And it was 10 years later when they were released pending new trials. So what a lot of people don't understand is the appeals process can take years, years and years Oh, yeah. Um, Not everybody who appeals their conviction is even granted like a hearing type thing in front of the court of appeals. Like some of them are just rejected outright, but convicted felons do have the right to appeal. That's the right. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not just like you can only appeal one time and that's that. So you ready for the next twist? No, but tell me anyway. The new trials were put on hold due to new DNA evidence not matching any of the suspects. There was DNA evidence found on the clothing of, I believe, one of the girls. Yeah. Maybe multiple girls. But we all know in 1999, 1991, technology was not as advanced as it is. No, it wasn't. Or not as advanced as it was by 2009. Right. And like, it didn't even start here. I I think the real DNA being used in investigations, I think that started in the UK and then it came to the US. They had a head start. So, but yeah, even then there was nowhere near as advanced as you said. Mm -hmm. So as DNA technology advanced, the police were able to get a male only profile from a lab in Virginia. That profile was then submitted to the National Center of Forensic Science at the University of Central Florida, which operates the U.S.'s YSTR database. So what is YSTR? So a YSTR is a short tandem repeat on the Y chromosome. It's often used in forensics, paternity, and genealogical DNA testing. Okay. It's taken specifically from the male Y chromosome, which is why the database only contains male samples. Makes sense. It contains over 29,000 male DNA samples used mainly for population research. So it's basically, it's, In there, it's kind of like when you take part in a research study where it's your stuff is in there, but all of your personal information is redacted and like your number 902. Samples can be submitted by police departments, the FBI, etc. So basically law enforcement. When it was submitted, the Austin PD got a hit and thought they would finally solve this crime. Well, yeah, it'd be like any episode of Cold Justice or, you know, the show that C.C. Moore did. Mm -hmm. It's important to know that the YSTR does not confirm the identity of a single person. And it is possible for thousands and thousands of men to have the same male profile. Because remember, it's just taking the sample from the Y 
Yeah. The Y chromosome. So it's possible that every male in the same town could have that particular sample in their Y chromosome. I, <sighs> and I so like, would it be like DNA relatives? is so complicated complicated it is so like no this goes beyond oh wow related to a person like this is thousands and thousands of men could have the same male profile okay they submitted it they got a hit in most cases or in most databases so like codis um nick mick all of that if there's a hit there's usually a name attached to it and please get the name and then they can go arrest their suspect well, yeah, because we've all seen the true crime shows where that happens. So, however, police in this case were unable to obtain the identity of a man who matched their profile sample. The sample, the sample in the database was submitted by an FBI analyst. The FBI used a 1994 federal law that created a national forensics database and requires officials to protect the identities of anonymous donors whose DNA was submitted for population research. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. It is, but it's not. Basically, no, basically this database Mm -hmm. is used for nothing but population research. So like they want to determine how growing up in this town versus that town, how that compares, then they're going to look at this and say, okay, this population from this town all have this trait or characteristic. Yes. And because it's not a full DNA testing and sample, like they literally, they just pull the Y chromosome out. Yeah. So, I mean, basic biology, we get half our DNA from our mother, half mm-hmm. our DNA from our father. Mm-hmm. So as a female, even though I don't exhibit the Y chromosome traits, they could actually be pulled from my DNA to trace back to my father because it's anonymous donations and it's population research. They have to redact all identifying information. Okay, that makes more sense. I still don't like it. I don't like it either. So as of today, the Austin Police Department has not been able to get the answers it needs. And because of the unknown DNA and the lack of physical evidence tying Robert and Michael to the crime, the DA's office finally announced that they would not be retried. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. If their DNA doesn't match and there is no physical evidence connecting them, like they didn't find their fingerprints there. You know what I'm saying? Like none of that, nothing matches. They don't have them on camera going in. They don't have an eyewitness. So they just happen to be in the same mall at the same time mm-hmm. or on the same day. Yeah. There were some theories, a couple of theories that have floated around there well more than a couple but let's face it anytime there's an unsolved crime there's always conspiracy theories oh my gosh um, yeah all you have to do is like go look up true crime thing on reddit and it like every single person has a different theory on someone mm-hmm. like, you know everything from basic realistic stuff to aliens mm-hmm. so many of the original detectives and prosecutors steadfastly believe that the four boys originally arrested did actually commit the crime and think they got away 
with it. I like, I get it. They don't want to be wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, how can you explain the DNA that doesn't match any of those four boys? Yeah, I, mean, I agree. You can't argue with science. No. I mean, there's a 1% chance that science is going to be wrong. I mean, look at the platypus, you know, but it's not even a 1% of, chance. In the case of DNA, it's your DNA. Yeah. So a widely believed theory is there were two men sitting in a booth while the girls closed up the shop. Witnesses who were in the shop right before closing reported these two men sitting in a booth towards the back of the yogurt shop and they were acting weird. Quote, unquote, weird. Okay. I'm not really sure how they were weird. I mean, if they didn't elaborate, like, yeah, this person gave me creepy vibes, that person, you, you know? Yeah, I know. So one customer did report that when he was in line, one of the men offered to let him go in front of him. When the customer declined, the man got annoyed, ordered a soda, and then stalked over to the booth. So I'm not sure why he was mad. Uh, That's weird. Unless, unless they were the last ones in the, in the store and he wanted him to yeah. go in front of them and leave so that he could rob the place, which is entirely possible. We don't know. Yeah, as you were talking, I was kind of in the back of my mind, like, well, maybe he just wanted to be the last person there. Mm-hmm. So crime scene photos seem to support this theory as there is one booth that had not been restocked or have a chair on top of it. So in a lot of restaurants, like pizza joints, yogurt shops, that type stuff. When they clean up for the night, they flip the chairs over mm-hmm. and put them on top of the table so that they can sweep and mop and whatever. Yeah. And we do that um, at my house. I mean, I don't know. My husband mops me Well, I mean, when I say we, I just mean my husband because yeah, he, he's yeah. retired. So he just works for me now. So, yes. So, unfortunately, these two men have never been identified. Okay. So, there's evidence that kind of supports this. And, you know, like when a crime happens, people automatically go, well, the weird guy who lives on the outskirts of town, mm-hmm. you know, probably did it, even though there's not a shred of evidence. Last I researched on this case, it had not been solved yet. And my guess is it will probably not be solved if they can't get the DNA. So can the police take their sample of the DNA and do the genealog? No, because it's, um. I mean, in most cases, so if you, you can run th- DNA through the system. Yeah. Well, I meant like through ancestry, through gene. But I can't say genealogy. Genealogy. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that they're going to get a hit. If many states, if you haven't committed a felony mm-hmm. or specific types of felonies, yeah, you're not going to be in the system. Um, back, I mean, back in 1999, genealogical databases and websites weren't as widely yeah. used as they are now. However, there has been a lot of controversy about police using those mm-hmm. databases. I've never done my, like, I've never done like the 23andMe or whatever the DNA testing stuff is. Yeah. I've never done it. So I'm not exactly sure if you have the option 
to opt out of? So I've done mine and I had mm-hmm. so much fun with it. Then my husband was like, well, I kind of want to do mine. I'm like, oh, good. Cause I ordered you a test. It'll be here like three days from now. And, you know, before he even asked, I was like, if I had to get a spit and a sleep, I was going to do it. I just want to know, like, you know, I was just curious. Mm-hmm. And I've always been fascinated with DNA and family history and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of surprises of mine. I found a cousin I did not have. We text, you know, once a week or so. And it was a lot of fun. And when I uploaded to Ancestry, I did not see an option for let this be used in police or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's something else called, I think it's called GEDmatch. And I uploaded it there. And there is an option on, I think it's GEDmatch, where you can talk between I want to let the police have access or not. I toggled yes. And some of my friends were surprised to learn this, but I really value justice and Mm -hmm. seeing justice served. Mm -hmm. And if I have a family member who is a serial killer, I don't want them out there on the streets. No, I wouldn't either. But the flip side of that is police use this database. They find somebody who is a relative match, Mm -hmm. meaning it's not the person. But so that person's DNA is now being used to target other people in his family. Mm -hmm. I just... I have an issue with the police using them without the consent of the person who submitted it. Like I'm all for, you know, like if I chose to submit my DNA and I chose Mm -hmm. to say, yes, police can use it, which I would. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want it to be used in a way that would harm innocent members of my family. Who, especially if they had not consented to having their familial, yes, their relations used. Yeah, because like, well, it's not even, I mean, not everybody is on the websites. Yeah. Like, say you and I were related, we're not, mm-hmm. but say we were, and you submitted your DNA, mm-hmm. told them they could, that the police could use it. Mm-hmm. I didn't submit my deed. Right. I didn't say police could use anything, but they get a hit with your DNA, but it's like a second cousin type that far removed. That then means that I, having never consented to anything, now have the police showing up at my door Mm -hmm. saying, hey, we matched your DNA. You didn't match my DNA. You you matched my second cousin twice removed. You know what I'm saying? So I think there has to be a line. There has to be. Like, if you consent for your DNA to be used and you've got, you know, a whoever that's out there and is murdering people, yeah. to use your example, they in your DNA pops on the DNA sample that the police submit. But then in addition to that, there is other physical evidence that points to this person. Then yeah, that's fine. Yeah. It's not crossing the line. But if you're going after somebody based solely on a familial DNA, DNA match, that's, to me, that's crossing the line. Yeah. So when they get the DNA and let's say that it was my second cousin twice removed, when they see the DNA, when they compare it to mine, it will, they'll be able to tell by the numbers that line up when our DNA is compared This could be a second uncle. This could be a second cousin twice removed. This could be a great grandparent. It would have a list of options. And then from there, they narrow it down. I get that. 
But again, they look at your DNA and they say, okay, well, we can look at her cousin. We can look at her grandparent. Mm -hmm. We can do this. But none of those people have ever consented to having their DNA used by police. So I get it. Like I've seen it where like a familial match does lead to the arrest of somebody. But Mm -hmm. typically there's other evidence that has already pointed to that person and they just needed that last little bit. Yeah. So, and like I said, unfortunately, I don't think this murder is ever going to be solved. It's just sad. It is. It's very sad, especially because the girls were so young. I mean, Amy was only 13. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like the ones that I feel for the most are the parents of these girls. Like to go this long without knowing Mm -hmm. what happened to your child like especially with the highs and lows of okay we have someone we're arresting them they're behind bars and then the oh no their dna doesn't match so we're gonna let them go Mm -hmm. whereas you've already had how many years from being jail like close to a decade Mm -hmm. so you have almost a decade of okay my daughter's killer is behind bars and then oh no he's back out on the street they say it doesn't match but it did it's just heartbreak all over again Mm -hmm. and not knowing i can't imagine the not knowing so as you know um a member of my family was murdered back in the 2000s and we knew from the start there was a very brief period of time where we questioned you did it but for most of us we knew right away and the police were able to prove it in a relatively short amount of time in the grand scheme of things and everything was wrapped up in less than a year and a half which to go from the murder date to the trial and the sentencing and everything in a year and a half, that's great because some of these cases drag out for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. So I cannot imagine they have to go to a trial all over again. Mm-hmm. So I have found an update. Okay. As of August of 2022, so just a couple months ago, Texas congressman and a California congressman mm-hmm. have wrote what they're calling the Homicide Victims Family Rights. What this allows is three years after a case has gone cold, Okay, the law allows loved ones uh, to have a victim's federal case file reviewed. And a, a full investigation will use the latest technology and hopefully dig up new leads. ABC station KVUE spoke with Amy I's family in 2021. So 30 years after he had been killed. This should have been solved 30 years ago. It's maddening to me that we are still having to do this. Angie Ayers said. Her brother said they're not giving up hope. It's 30 more years of not giving up, 30 years of trying. If it takes 30 more years, it takes 30 more years. We are not giving up. There will be resolution to this one way or another. So hopefully, hopefully it'll pass. I hope so. I hope it doesn't take them another 30 years. They deserve answers. Oh yeah, definitely. But so hopefully that legislation will pass and the case will get new eyes with new technology. I hope so too. Thank you, Angie. This was very interesting. You're very welcome. Stay caffeinated. And join us next time for another cup of crime.